Welcome to the Word and Journey podcast, conversations with friends about stories that shape us and make us think, and some stories that are just for fun. We're busy people reading books in realistic increments. Follow along in the book and join in the conversation, or just sit back and enjoy. Our aim is to unpack the story and offer you things to ponder. Either way, thanks for being here. Welcome back to the Word and Journey podcast, conversations with friends about stories that shape us and make us think or make us laugh or make us wonder what just happened. I'm Moses. I'm Matt. And I'm Aaron. And new faces, new voices. Well, y'all can't see the faces because I haven't figured out how to live stream this yet, but maybe coming up soon. That'll be fun. So we are today jumping into the Wheel of Time and... Note for the listener, if you're following this, so we will be releasing this parallel to the series on 1984, which is going out. Actually, today is our first day of recording We Live Time. I'm also dropping the first episode of 1984 today. So if you're listening to 1984, keep listening to that. And if you don't want to listen to Wheel of Time, you don't have to. But anyway, those two are going to be happening side by side. So if that matters to anybody, or you can just, or you can just listen to them all because I think we're cool. Anyway, uh, I'm really delighted to have some new friends, some new hosts on for this segment. And I'd love to hear, I'd love for them to introduce themselves. Matt, uh, Aaron, who are you? What's your corner of the world? What's your, and how did you come to the Wheel of Time? Thanks. Thanks, Moses. Um, I, so I am in the Bay Area, California, but like South Bay, uh, way out away from San Francisco, more inland. I'm a therapist by trade. I actually a uh, professional clinical counselor. That's what I do. My main job, I work in community mental health and then have a little private practice on the side. How I got into Wheel of Time is I've always loved sci-fi and fantasy and I kind of made it a goal to read as much of it as I possibly can. I try to hit a book a week and Eventually, I realized that I was going to have to tackle the Wheel of Time series because it, it is the series in fantasy. And I didn't really want to do that. But once I got into it, I really enjoyed it. And so that's how I got connected to Wheel of Time. Plus, also, I mean, I love everything Brandon Sanderson writes. And I was like, I'm going to have to read the entire series to get to his books at the end. And so that's how I came to know Wheel of Time. There we go. Thanks for the story. And in addition to your, your, your clinical work, and, and I know you're not published in like the fiction world, but I mean, you've, you've dabbled a little bit in some some writing yourself. And um, I, I think quite skillfully, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you think about it, but I, I really enjoyed your stories. So I appreciate that. I like writing on the side. We'll see if it ever gets out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, one word at a time, which... It's painfully slow, but hey, it gets it gets out. Aaron, how about you? Who are you, and why should we care? Oh, hello. My name is Aaron, and um, I am currently in the Big Island of Hawaii, in a little corner of the world over here. Been here for about five years now, and from Portland, Oregon. So during my undergrad, had some introduction to news writing, journalism, and the sorts, and uh, I worked in HR for years. I worked into social services for years until I got to the point of, wow, people have problems and uh, they need housing. So 
I decided to start learning how to build houses. And I'm starting with tiny houses. So I'm actually currently sitting in my next tiny house right now that you cannot see. So I got into Wheel of Time during middle school, I think around eighth grade or so, when I was introduced to Robert Jordan and the Wheel of Time. And I was enthralled. I would read one book over the weekend. And these aren't little books. These are uh, a thousand plus page books. And for me, as someone who's 13, 14 years old, and I was just getting out of Lord of the Rings and the uh, Redwall series, if you guys know that one by Brian Jacques, uh, Will of Times was just, it, it was new, it was fresh. I think it was also a competition to some Harry Potter books. And I was like, nah, Harry Potter, pff, no, I, I, this, whatever this Will of Time is, it's, 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 there's something here that is, is great. And it hooked me in on just book one. So, but I actually never finished the series. Uh, I got around book eight or nine and something happened. I just lost track and I just never picked it up again. So maybe I will have to. But something happened during my undergrad back in 2012. I started to play in a Wheel of Time multi-user dungeon text-based online game. And I've actually been currently active for the past 10 years playing this game and uh, doing some world building on that. And it, it takes place somewhere between book four and five, but it's, I love it because how your actions are done there actually changes permanently the game. And so it's, it's like a bunch of authors meeting together to coordinate and communicate while they role play in the world of, of Wheel of Time. So when I watched the two episodes on Amazon Prime, yeah, I guess that's why we're here today to talk about it. <laughs> Yes, that is what we're here to talk about. And all you listeners out there should be extra grateful. Send very nice notes to Aaron everywhere where you can, because me and Matt in Pacific time zone, we're up at a decent hour of like 8am. But in Hawaii, I guess it's it's 5am. And only the lowly Starbucks baristas are up that early. So uh, everybody, thank you. Thank you to Aaron <laughs> for joining yeah. us. For getting <laughs> up. I am, uh, as the listener may know, I'm uh, in my day job. Uh, I'm, a, I'm also a professional counselor. I'm an Orthodox Christian family man and aspiring writer, novelist. Uh, I'm actually touching up a short story. Actually, it's not like a long short story, I guess, technically a novella that is prelude to a bigger story. And so hopefully there will be updates about that coming out soon. But anyway, I have not ever read the Wheel of Time books, nor have I played the game. I have uh, only dabbled in the show. And that is part of our part of our gimmick for this series is comparing perspectives, comparing and contrasting. So for one who has read the books, how do they experience the show versus one who has just experienced the show? How will they experience the show? And this is a little bit inspired by my experience of the the new Dune movie. Like I had read the books and I really liked it, but I always thought it seems like it just watching the movie, it seemed like it would be a little hard for somebody who hadn't read the books to follow. And anyway, so that's what we're hashing out here. So... <laughs> So I've seen two episodes on Amazon Prime, and that's my whole exposure to the world. That's not quite true. I read like two chapters of the first book years ago. So, so I, I got two chapters into it. And I mean, it was nice. It was cool. I think uh, that was right around when I also... I mean, I, I'd read Lord of the Rings by then. I think shortly after that, I picked up In the Name of the Wind. In the Name of the Wind. You know, so it's, you know, that genre of just like, big tomes of lots of words building worlds with lots of characters and stuff. So yes, let's get into the show with lots of reference to the books and games and everything. 
Okay, so I'll ask you, y'all, what was your first impression of the show? Like, what was, what, what was, what did you see was like the hook to just the show compared to the hook in like the books or the game? I think in as I started to watch the show, the thing that stood out to me was that it was very visually appealing. They brought the world to life. It was it was stunning. It it a lot of the cinematography of the landscape is like, oh, that's exactly what I was hoping the two rivers and eventually like the Manethrin kind of landscape looked like. I think the the initial starting of the show caught me off guard because the books start with a a prologue that wasn't even hinted at in the show and the prologue is super important to the overall arc of Wheel of Time and the fact that the the prologue book or the prologue scene in the books with Luz Theron Telamon um kind of being dropped honestly caught me a little bit off guard I thought that would I thought that's where they would start and so I I just I was like okay I guess maybe we'll pick this up at some point but it's gonna be such a huge part of the story arc that I was I was a little like oh odd this is the first I've heard about the prologue because I don't remember that oh what oh oh also dear listeners we're gonna be dropping lots of spoilers and so if you (laughs) if you haven't watched the show yeah very much spoiler alert but anyway yeah Matt what uh what happened in the prologue so the prologue is loose Theron Telemann like a thousand years before, a couple hundred years before, I don't remember the exact time frame, but it, it's him essentially as the taint has been released on the men and they're starting to go crazy. It's him going crazy. He kills his wife and then he destroys himself and creates Dragon Mount, which is like the mountain. It's the mountain that Rand gets born on. And it's also the beginning of the you start hearing about the Koreathon cycle where the dragon's going to be reborn. And it's all about kind of this epic struggle between Shaitan and Luz Theron Telamon, which is going to be incarnated in Rand in the books. Okay. Yeah, that sounds... So uh, actually, could I say, um, if you yes. go on Amazon Prime and look at episode zero, they have the prologue of that exact scene oh. created. Oh, do they? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, ah, um, okay. Yep. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that. it's a three minute um, prologue episode and it's, it's hand drawn and it's beautiful. I, I actually, Ooh. I snuck in and I watched it. I'm like, what are these extra little three minute episodes? And it, it, it described it. Yep. So it is, and it, it's to the book. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It, it satisfied me. Okay. Great. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. So that, that makes a lot, that seems, that seems like it would be important. So there's, so, so in episode one, like when, when the Trollocs attack and, who is it? I think it's it's Perrin like accidentally kills his wife. Yeah. And which is this like awesomely sad, poignant moment, or whatever. But but in reference to like the prologue, that makes a whole lot more sense why they might include that. Like this like accidentally. Yeah, know, that's not even in the books. Someone. Perrin's yeah, not married. <laughs> that's what that's not in the books. Perrin's not married in the books. Oh, yeah. that's why I was like, oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's good that I mean, it's not good, but they killed off the wife early because it, it wouldn't yes. make sense, you know, for the rest of the book, because they're a bunch of single yes. dudes in the beginning. I but suppose. yeah, and, yeah. And, and one of the coolest characters comes on later. Fael is going to connect with Perrin and she's hella cool. And I was like, if they cut Fael out of this, I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, so already, so from from my perspective, like not, not having the books, I feel, 
I feel a little cheated. Okay, so granted, I'll have to go find like these like special Amazon special scenes. I, I need to learn yeah. how to work technology a little bit. I yeah, so I, I would agree. Like the, the 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 visuals are really nice. It's a really beautiful landscape. For me, it doesn't quite quite live up to New Zealand, but it's 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 good. It's very good. Really attractive people. That's nice. That's always nice. I I do like. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a sucker for special effects. So, so the end of episode one where they're the fighting the Trollocs and like, especially when like, what's her name? Morgane, the, the Aes Sedai, she's summoning, mm-hmm. you know, she's using her summoning spells all, you know, final weaves. fantasy like. Weaves. <laughs> weaves. She's weaving. Yeah. Weaving. <laughs> that was cool. That was really, that was really fun to watch. Uh, so from a strictly visual standpoint, yes, the world is really beautiful and the 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 cinematography is really really great like i don't have anything to compare it to but i'm like yeah it's nice yeah i i like that scene a lot i was nerding out a bit writing down like what are the names of the the weaves she was doing and channeling i was like oh yeah on the game call lightning i actually got goosebumps I'm like yeah call lightning get right on there get them down there hammer of okay. air flame strike instead of fireball it's not a fireball it's a flame strike so <laughs> yeah was, I, I liked it a lot it was good it was really good and uh oh, right. whirlpool that's actually a, a weave on the game too so when she did that at Terran ferry that was uh that was pretty accurate i like that a lot okay and are those details that are spelled out in the book or are, are those spells spelled out in the book or is that just in the game yeah, yeah like um you know bale fire fireball like some of those healing even it was it was true that you can't heal yourself as an aesodai um you have to heal others so uh, which is actually a proponent of the game too, which a lot of people hate is you, most games when you're playing, oh, I can heal myself. I'm a wizard or whatever. But on that game, you can't. You have to rely on other people to to heal. So that was actually a, an important part when she got wounded on the shoulder, which made me a little upset when a white cloak suggested she go to nice to die for healing. I'm like, uh, that would never happen in the book. He'd be like, if you find her, kill her because we hunt witches because we're like the inquisition. <laughs> and so he was a little too nice. Um, but I did like how the hand of light and the children of light kind of shown their face there. Ooh, so excited. A, there was a lot of stuff in those two episodes that really, um, catered to people who know the lore. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that they, uh, so that this idea that the, the, I said, I cannot heal herself. Like, as you were talking about it, it was occurring to me, oh, yeah, all, I'm sure there's, you know, lots of, like, metaphors and sermon illustrations mm-hmm. or therapy metaphors that can be drawn from that. Some, you know, something like, like, we need each other, we need people, we're better off in community, you know, live mm-hmm. together, die alone. <laughs> That's my obligatory Lost reference for all the Losties out there. Oh. Someday we'll do Lost. <laughs> anyway, this, this, is, this is fun. Some comparing contrasting experiences. So... I don't know. My, 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 my hook, my hook to the story was like, it looks cool. It's kind of a, you know, it's, it's like, you know, high fantasy, high fantasy world. And I, I, I like that genre. I like that world. And, you know, then there's a, there's a very clear, like, you know, beginning of a hero's journey call to, you know, disruption of status quo call to action and, you know, promise of, you know, glory or certain death or one of those. And so, I, I get excited hitting those milestones because I, I can kind of imagine what's coming. So I think so. I don't know. My there, there's there, there's part of me that's like, am I watching this show because it's good or because I know that it's famous? And and I, and I did know that you know the, like the fame of it is is legendary. And you know there's like this like almost like 
elite reader status to people who have read like the whole wheel of time because it's you know they're 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 very special people i don't know though on the surface which is all i'm all i'm getting just for the show it feels a little, it feels a little bit shallow like i like i didn't know i don't know the names of the spells i don't know some of the background and so i'm just kind of watching these characters who kind of don't i don't know mm-hmm. in, a, in a show everything's condensed and like every line has to like account for like like 100 other lines or something and so i don't know it just it just yeah feel, it feels clipped i mean it can kind of tell i think if i didn't know that there was a book and i'm just like missing out on stuff i might be tempted to think this is like kind of like poorly written in a sense just because <laughs> the pace is the, the pace is the thing yeah there, there was a few spots I, I started skipping 10 seconds and i'm like uh i don't remember it's like I, I think it was when rand and you know they kissed each other. I'm like, okay, you know, I guess they added that for, for whatever, you know, the the little hot tub scene right after you're like, Oh yeah, maybe it's like a steamy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) happy time. And then all of a sudden everybody's getting butchered by, you know, prologue. So. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's my, that, that, that's my first impression. It's like, it's a, it's a cool world. It's a pretty world. Like the, the, the premise of it feels interesting. I do love, stories embedded in a lot of history and and this whole idea of you know a long time ago there was this great evil and there was this great good and there's this like dragon character who's supposed to be reincarnated and we don't know who he or she is but we know how old they are like that's cool and like that sort of mystery to unravel feels really cool and and having it presented as it's going to be one of these four friends feels really cool too because there's this idea of like hey does that mean they're going to like have to turn on each other or are they going to be in competition or will they become this you know fellowship of the dragon around to oh, i guess uh, yeah, i guess it's rand <laughs> that's cool yeah although like i don't know so far he's like the most uninteresting character though at least in the show there's a lot so speaking to your point of like the the shallowness of the show I was just, I'm rereading book one right now to get a better sense of it. There's a lot of things that are happening in book one that are like world building as far as the two rivers and you get characters and it's characterization and they have like the women's circle versus the men's town council. And there's this theme already building of women versus men and the competition there. And when it goes well, they, they interlock and work together and you have like Sidar and Sidine working together, but you, you get a lot of that kind of, foreshadowing happening in the book which isn't happening um in the show a second piece in the show that kind of bugged me is one of the major themes throughout the book is like rumors and like not quite gossip but like how stories travel and how they change over time and get embellished and there's always a piece of truth there but it's always like been wrapped in in uh layers of misinformation and it's like a giant telephone game and and the the show didn't pick up on that one piece that you're speaking to right now that that was evident in the show is they have four taviran ran perrin matt and Egwene. in the book it's only three taviran Egwene is not a taviran she becomes a super influential character but her her influence is not due to her being taviran it's due to like her perseverance and wisdom and and skill and the power and she she has this phenomenal scene i forget which book it is it's like book nine or ten it's a huge storyline where she essentially dupes her enemies and then earns their favor and and eventually their their loyalty and and it's it's phenomenal but she's not a taviran 
That's cool. No, that that, that makes sense. Well, I, I, I kind of remember that from like the two chapters that I did, did read was, I mean, I remembered the three boys and didn't remember Egwene. Her story was really interesting though. And I, I, I'd love, I'd love to see how that develops, you know, them three being Tavarin and whatever happens with them, but her be, her being the wisdom and yeah, the, the wisdom culture, the women's circle, super interesting to me. Yeah. Like, okay. So here, here's a segue into, you know, you know, different questions. So like what, not quite who's your favorite character, but like what's, what was the most interesting character and most compelling character for you? And I'll start cause I want to. So I feel like, again, thinking in terms of like hooks and I'm thinking about this through my writer brain, like, like how do you cause a, a writer, uh, a reader viewer to like care for the, care for the person. Like first time we meet Egwene, she's basically being thrown off a cliff into a river and like, you know, having to like survive something. And it's, it's really beautiful, like initiation, right. And you can kind of see that really clearly. And there's this really beautiful scene, but like, I don't know. I just, she, I, I'm interested in her. I'm interested in, in her and the women's circle and in this ritual she goes through this process. She's, she, she goes on, like, she seems like, I don't know there, there, there's, there's more in how the show does it. There, there's already like more definition to her and to what she's about. And she has this purpose and in, in this calling. And like, she, she, she knows what she's about, like more than any of the boys. Uh, and so I find her, really compelling for that reason the other the other character that i really enjoy and i, I kind of would like to see see more of is matt and and that has to do and again this is maybe me coming watching this through a counselor background but watching him like navigate he's i think he, he's kind of they're maybe trying to present him as kind of a bad boy but he's also coming from this really dysfunctional family and also like the pseudo parent for his younger sisters and and so for me the counselor that just brings up a lot of like kind of familiar like dysfunctions and traumas and like attachment things. And it's kind of fun to see that. And, uh, you know, so his character is interesting to me because there is that wide range of how he shows up. And that's, that's cool to me. But what would you guys say? Who is interesting or compelling to you? So I, I think like based off the show, I have, I have characters that are, like interesting and compelling to me based off of the books. I have characters that are interesting and compelling to me. So based off the show, I mean, just getting to see Lan, uh, Alan Mandragoran in action. I'm like, Oh, more of this. I loved him fighting alongside uh, Moraine and them. They're like teamwork. It was perfect. I, I wanted, I want to see more of that kind of dynamic um, developing that's that's kind of based off the show based off the books i am i'm really interested to see uh how they're going to have nynaeve's development because nynaeve wasn't a major player in the first two shows but she's such a cool character as things go on and then honestly matt is probably one of my favorite characters in the book he's he's characterized a little bit different in the show where he's he kind of has this responsible side to him in the books he's totally just a jokester prankster in trouble all the time totally irresponsible wants to run away from any kind of like thing that's hard or duty bound and yet he becomes such a cool character um, especially as you get into the the final book and um, his role that he plays there so i'm very excited about that that is exciting to see yeah mm. i'm kind of glad that nynaeve survived the first night because she was she's pretty cool <laughs> What about you, Aaron? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they, they can't kill her off because I know what happens. But uh, I, I'm going to follow the same model. If there, there's the book interest and then there's a the show interest. I'm going to even add there's the game interest uh, because of my roles on there. 
But on the show, uh, Land is very interesting. I think the, the combat sequence that they had working together was really well done. Uh, it, the, how it works is he's a warder, and a warder protects um, the Aes Sedai, and they're actually linked and bonded through the one power. Um, so they have a certain uh, chemistry with each other. And it, there's, a, there's a cool dynamic, and I hope they explore that more. Uh, Matt, of course, it's, you know, he's kind of, he, he reminds me in the show, like a, like a Pippin to, you know, <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, like he's the side character, kind of, you know, the, the, the confidant um, to the very boring main character of Rand. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, it, I, I, in the show, the first time he screams, no, he's like, no, no, no. It was like, wow, there's actually emotion in this guy, but it's, it seemed like it just came out of nowhere, you know? And, and then it became interesting as he, pulls a bat out of his his face i'm like oh is he is he tainted already or you know he didn't even channel yet so it is the madness coming already it, it didn't make it was interesting um so it, it was it was it was drawing to me it just like the uh even the questioner um there's the hand of light and then there's the children of light and so you can kind of you know notice their their differences of ranks and so questioner's sole purpose and job is hunting witches which is any male or female that uses the one power and if you know where they are they're going to find you and kill you so again that's why i have to go back to the reference where his buddy was like yeah yeah go go see her she's really good you know she'll fix your your patch no they should have went to a wisdom you know in that culture in white bridge is a wisdom that's going to heal them and they and they'll they'll do the treatment uh so that those dynamics were interesting in the books I'm actually interested in uh, this little, little tiny character in the show that you have no idea what's going on. And that's Pat and Fane. And that's the peddler. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys caught that, but is a spoiler alert. He's not a good dude. And I saw that. Yeah. He, Cause he was, he was watching like the Chalik slaughter, like really satisfied. And I, yeah, was, I, I thought he brought them there. <laughs> oh yeah, <lame. laughs> yeah he, he's uh he's what you call again this is super spoiler alert i'm sorry guys but uh he's a dark friend and the dark friends communicate with the dark the trollocs the fades the you know the eyeless ones and my assumption actually by knowing the book in the world is that the uh the machin sin shin uh the dark winds so there's this there's this travel system called the ways and inside the ways, um, Trollocs in the dark ha- fast travel in a sense. They 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 move through like um, some underground evil labyrinth to pop out anywhere through these gateways in the world. And so I wondered in that scene when she's on the bridge, she's hearing the wind, the dark winds as they use the ways to come in that um, Pat and Fane brought to Two Rivers because they think the Dragon Reborn is there. And so it, they they hinted at that when you kind of watched it, and I thought that was really good how they kind of pushed that in. So it made me really hopeful that they're going to stick to that side story. So that way, what you just said sounds so much more interesting than how the book was. I thought it was just like <laughs> in, in the show. I was like, oh, are they making a reference to Name of the Wind? I mean, that that's. No. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. I see Matt over there, like ah, he's like <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, there's so much you're kind of hinting at already that I'm like, oh man, yeah, the the, the Trollocs move through the ways. That's how they got to two rivers. How are they in like the the heart of uh, 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 Andor and not in um, up on the borderlands? And it's all that. And I I totally missed the wind reference, but I think you're totally right. That was probably a, a 
some type of maybe connection to Manchin Shin and, and what's going on there. And it, um, if that is true, that's great foreshadowing. I'm really excited to see if they do yeah. more of that. Yeah, because uh, a little bit of lore is that it's supposedly the the evil winds, the Machin Shin, uh, went around Pat and Fane while he was in the ways. And it, it was the first time that someone tasted the winds that should have ripped him to shreds and killed him and left him. And apparently it adapted its desire to hunt the dragon reborn, which is Rand. And so usually the ways do not leave the, or the Machin Shin does not leave the ways, but it, it might've hinted that it kind of seeped out and that's why she heard it. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool, you know, things that y- you miss, like the Heron sword. There's an inscription of the Heron, relevant. The, the Ruby dagger, you know, from Matt, super relevant. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's all these cool things there that you wouldn't catch otherwise. That would be cool. I don't know. My 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 inner dialogue when Matt picks up the ruby dagger was "Touch nothing but the land." Um, <laughs> because, I know. Yeah, the, 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 there's a lot there. Having this meta moment of just uh, observing how how we engage with it as going through the books, going through the games. There's there's lots of details that you absorb, and and I'm thinking about how the medium affects the experience of the story because my my sense is that. And then, you know, when I've read a book, especially on paper, also like I'm really engaged with it and I'm, and I can hold a lot of details when I take it that way. I notice for me, as I'm watching the show, these Trollocs show up. I don't even question like how they got there. I'm just like, oh, we're in a fantasy world. You know, fantasy stuff happens. Like, you know, bad guys show up. That's like, you know, my, my show mentality is it's necessary for the plot to move on. We're about to do for an action sequence. So like I can fight, I can feel myself like not questioning it in a way or not engaging with it and just due to like, like the medium, which I, 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 mean, I, I would say is part of what, part of what draws me to like watching a show in general is like, I really want to just be like ushered into a world and like have it and have it fed to me in a way, which feels different than whenever I read a book. And what it sounds like when, when you guys read the books is it, it, you know, it makes you work for it a little bit. And it sounds like, your experience is like a whole lot deeper and richer because, you know, oh, A, because like the books sound like the better, but also it sounds like because you've had to, you know, work for it in, in a different way as well. Yeah. I feel the difference between when I read Lord of the Rings and I watched the movie, I, I watched Lord of the Rings movie. I'm like, oh, great. It feels, it feels really good, but it didn't have as much subtle hints as this show, at least for me, that I'm seeing in the series that um, I'm catching in the book. Um, and there's a few parts of the show that really gave me goosebumps because I'm like, oh, foreshadowing, yes. But I'll call, also, there's a, there's a few things that uh, the director has changed, and I know people are going to give, you know, they're going to be upset about it. And there's 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 three major changes that I didn't like. I mean, a minor one was uh, <laughs> Trollocs were using torches. Please, they can see in the dark. So, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Uh, look, Trollocs are not orcs. Like they don't need, you know, they don't need a copy of Lord of the Rings. Make them, they could have made them more dangerous. Like it, pure darkness and you know they're over there. That would have been like, cool. But I really liked how, you know, there's four types of Trolloc stocks. Um, they're they're kind of mixtures of creatures. So they're showing the wolf stock, the bear stock. Oh man, the boar stock and... I think there's one more, but it's like, that's why some run on all fours. That's why some kind of more wolfish, some are more of that. So it's, it's cool. But yeah, the, the parent's wife. um, And then one thing I, and I probably gonna have to talk about this, but the dragon reborn has to be a man. It it can't be a woman. 
and the the show does that and i I will defend this to the t you guys matt may have a different opinion but uh it's because of the prophecy of the dragon and it's because of kalendor which is a male angriel um angriels are items of the one power that only males or females can use and the the dragon reborn has to wield the sword that isn't a sword that is in tier or else it wouldn't make any sense (laughs) so i'm getting i'm nerding out right over yeah go ahead matt yeah, Matt's saying a lot with his fingers. Colindor is the, the the most important item, and it's the most important item in the series. It 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 it, it is all the it's way like the one to the ring. End <laughs> yes, and and it, the thing is, is Colindor is going to be this super powerful Sangreal, but it, it's it's got a flaw in it, and it's going to be it's it's. I don't want to give. I don't. This is like a huge spoiler work for the final book, so I won't give it away. But Aaron's absolutely right. Because of the prophecies that happen, um, it has to be a male. He has to wield Kalendor. And then there's there's things that come up in the final book of why he has to wield Kalendor and why he also needs female help. And that's a huge piece of it as well. And it, that'll get that'll get fleshed out in the later books. Yeah. That feels that feels very exciting. And yes, that feels that feels like a very crucial detail. And here's me shifting meta again, thinking about like this show being made now versus like 10, 15 years ago, given themes that are important to our collective consciousness. So one of the lines... Okay, I guess we're talking about gender for a little bit. So one of the lines that jumped out early on in the... I think it might have been the scene where there's these... Uh, this unnamed troop of like Amazon-ish women hunting down these other two guys who... Apparently, might have been dragon candidates, and one of them says uh, something like, "When men touch the source, they make it filthy." Uh, and again, I mean, cool world building premise and everything, but in a, in a show where you have to really pick and choose, like what lines get said, what details get brought up, I know that one felt like it took up a lot of space uh, in terms of like, what are we saying about <laughs> the role of men, the role, yeah. the role of women, and, yeah, hit it hard and everything, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the the idea of men and women interact with the thing differently, you know, you know, ma- makes a lot of sense. You know, the way it was presented in the show, where the dragon could be, you know, either man or woman. I mean, that I mean, that felt kind of cool and interesting. And you know, with Egwene being lumped in with the three, like that, yeah, adds some some guesswork. So so that's that's nice. But yeah, Matt, what were we gonna say? Well, so the the Amazonian women are the red Aja. So there's 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 a bunch of different there's seven different Ajas in the White Tower, and they're red Aja, and their specific purpose is to hunt down men. So I would take that from the perspective of the red Aja. Hunt down men who have the one power. Yeah, who have the one power, who can access um uh sighting. So um the one power has two halves to it, a male and a female half. When she says the the that men, when they touch the source, they make it dirty. She has it wrong, but that's probably the right perspective for the red Aja. And when we're talking about how gender roles come up in the book, I think the book does actually a very balanced role of gender roles because women are presented as being kind of the people in power. The Amelin seat has power over every single other person in the world at the moment, but she's also like bound to power with the heads of the Ajas. And then she has to work in concert with the world rulers and there's consistently female rulers of nations. So I think the book does a very good uh, balance at that. The only thing that the book gets really kind of funky is, 
if I may be incorrect here, but I, I think my memory is correct, is polygamy is always, uh, polygamy is brought up, um, spoiler alert, Rand is a polygamist, <laughs> and polygamy is always male with multiple female wives. I can't remember of a specific instance where there's um, polygamy the other way. I mean, I Sedai, the green Aja have multiple warders. So. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm, I'm wrong there. And Green Aja marry their warders too. Yeah, some, yeah many do, yeah. It, red, so, uh, green is the battle Aja. They, they're specifically there to fight and hunt the shadow spawn. Yeah, so it sounds like in, in a lot of ways, kind of, well, in, in some ways, kind of an egalitarian society, like, you know, men and women can do like a lot of the same things, like they can both hold, hold seats of power. But in some sense, it's a little bit more of like a complementarian world. And I'm thinking specifically how like men and women interact with with the one source or at least where we're dropped into the story right now, it's not complementarian as far as the one power is concerned. It is totally feminine okay. because the male half is completely tainted. So men can't use it without going crazy and becoming super dangerous. That's why that guy's okay. being hunted down. And that's why I, I'm actually curious at who that guy is. I'm I I'm kind of hoping that he's a uh actually a character's a I, I'm hoping he's Loghain, quite honestly, and then he's going to come back around because Loghain's one of is a super cool character as well. But yeah, yeah. So what this is reminding me of the most actually is the the Sword of Truth series, which I only read like the first three books, and I guess there's like nine or twelve or whatever. But it was there was again high fantasy, really great world building, some really great character characterization. They have the in within their magic system. They have a really distinct. Uh, there's there's a male way of experiencing it. There's a, there's a female way, and what was it? There's and they they had the. It's been a while. The confessors. They had the, <laughs> the mother confessors who could like use their magic to exact truth out of a person, uh, but they have like some limits to it. And then there's the very rare and very dangerous, you know, male, you know, confessor who like has no limits. And like, if that person happens, then he's like, you know, it's like the end of the world or something. So, yeah. So I guess, I guess I'm thinking about this theme of women are able to interact with this sort of power more safely, more routinely, maybe with some limits. Uh, when men try to touch it, uh, either they taint it or it taints them, or they just don't have handle power really well or something. Which again, I mean, as a, as a world building tool, I mean, it does it does set up some interesting stakes, some interesting risks. So, I mean, it'd be fun to see how that plays out. I don't know. I guess it, it makes a. It's interesting thinking about what are what are the gender themes, or what are the what are the what are the gender themes, and I'm thinking about that both through kind of a you know pop culture, societal kind of mm-hmm. like social justice lens, but also like from like kind of a like like a like an orthodox lens too, considering like. What it, what does it mean to be a man? What is the role of being a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What is the role of women? And I don't know, in my head, I'm, I'm holding holding kind of like an egalitarian approach versus complementarian versus like hierarchical. And I'm not actually developing this idea like super super well, but it, but it's like <laughs> but like you know you you see this stuff played out in the show, and it does seem like it raises some questions about like well, what do we believe about? men in power what do we believe about women in power and like what kind of powers matter the most mm. i'm i'm actually excited um you know talking about the one power um there are very specific gender roles that i i loved in the books and i i can see this show being done well because a lot of us wheel of time nerds have been waiting a long time for a good wheel of time 
movie or a show because there's been a few attempts that have been not so good uh, in the past 10, 20 years or whatever. And so in, in these first two episodes, um, when the uh, Morgane was showing uh, how to access the, the one power is very gentle. It's, it's, it's embracing. And so they're really hitting that theme really well because women, they, they don't, it's very different how men and women access this one power. Um, you have to embrace and men, they seize it, they grab it, they take control of it. Um, and if you try it vice versa, it won't work. Um, so there's that elements going on with the dualities. Um, and there's also, there's the, there's the one power and there's also the, the true power. And so the dark ones use the true power, which is they, they hinted at when the, the fade was compelling the Trollocs and they can't go in the water because Trollocs can't swim. Uh, side note in the game, if you're a Trolloc and you go in water, you drown. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it was actually kind of cool to see that. But yeah, there's a distinct gender role. And um, even going back to, to Kalendor, the, the Sa'angriel, uh, Sa just means it's a stronger version of an Angriel. Um, you, you can't really use it without linking to a woman and or else you're going to get super tainted and just destroy yourself and everybody around you like a giant nuke uh, <laughs> because it's a very strong uh, item of power. And uh, I, I want to see more of these gender roles played out and they're really going to be defining it hopefully in this series um, because I think... <laughs> I don't know. We're living in a time right now that there's not concrete definitions running around these days. It feels like it's something that's very, very loose, at least for me, in my opinion. And narratives are a beautiful way to just show, you know, get us thinking again. What, you know, what is there a difference? Are there strengths? You know, is this a competition mm-hmm. or can we, is there a way, like you said, Eagle Teller, and is it, can we work together or are we, uh, are we separate but equal? You know, it's like, <laughs> All these different things. And I, I would love to see the themes more like the wisdom circle in the town hall, like Matt was talking about, you know, that world building is, 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 is cool to see it. And so, yeah, it, yeah. it's going to play it out more. And I'm excited for that. That's my hope, at least. I hope so. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm th- you know thinking about gender roles. I, I would agree. I mean, I think, you know, we're lacking, lacking definitions or lacking really like hopeful definitions that could be, that could be a good thing. So the Aaron, the way you were talking about it, about like like when you're talking about like the the male, you know, women embrace menses, and but if like the um, you're talking about like if, if, a, if a male is linked to a female, it that he's able to to use the power without it being tainted. Mm-hmm. That that's interesting. That I'd like to see played out more. And and actually, there's you know, I know we we shouldn't like you know look to you know high fantasy for our theology, but there's almost like a seed of something like almost almost a little bit orthodox in that in in this idea of again seeing seeing both men and women made in the image of god but imaging really different ways and uh you know I was listening to you know one one teacher talking about uh, seeing you know women you know men is having the, the the function of like ordering things bringing order and women having the role of filling that with life and and nurturing it and uh and it's not that men can't be nurturing or women can't like do, do ordering. But when, like when there's, when there's things are emphasized in that particular way and when they're working together and not in competition, and that might be one of the main areas of like corruption and drama is when men and women start to compete with each other or compete for each other's roles, uh, rather than drawing on what are they already naturally gifted at and, and good at and how can they both excel in that and support the other one? 
but yeah, this idea of like if they're if they're joined, if they're working together, there there's not that taint, and things can be really really beautiful. But then because there's there's schism and schism, we have occasion for a show. I think so. I think you're hitting on one of the main themes that comes up in the book, and I hope they explore more in the show is that um, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of conflict between genders. There's a lot of conflict between personalities. The characters in the book honestly are like at each other's throats more often than not. And they're like, Oh, just figure your crap out. Like, come on people that are working together. Often there's a lot of conflict with them specifically when it comes up to genders. Um, when genders work against each other in the books is when they really kind of clash and have the most destruction where, where they succeed the best is when they're working in harmony. And that's, that is, that's true to the very end of the book and that they need to work in harmony in order to succeed. And that's one of the major themes that will come up throughout the entire book um, story arc. And I, I hope they explore that a bit more in the show. I, I also hope that they kind of keep the tension of the conflict because that's very true to the, to the books. Even like you get a little hint of it with Maureen and Lan and Shadar Logoth where Moraine's kind of passed out and she wakes up and um, the black is all coming around them. And Moraine is like, where are we? And Lan says, Shadar Logoth. And she says, you've doomed us. Moraine and, and Lan aren't always on the same page. They're More often than not, they're like kind of button heads on stuff. And it's it, 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 it creates an awesome dynamic of saying, okay, how do they continue to work together when they don't always agree on stuff? I really like their dynamic. Uh, now that the you're talking about that and there, I mean, and that, that moment in was a shadow shadow Lorgoth. It, it kind of highlights where there's, there's a deep trust, but, but not, but not perfect. Like they, they, they trust each other. They really care about each other. And every now and then like cross each other's boundaries or like do something the other one thinks is, is, is crazy. So, you know, kind of like an old married couple, I suppose only they're not. Uh, so, but that's fine. Yeah, no, that, that's super interesting. So I guess heading to a little bit of a wrap up, I guess, what are there, I guess, what are some other just like high points or low points, you know, massive excitements or disappointments of the show or just other, other things you guys are feeling toward this story? I have two things that one's a disappointment one and maybe also a hope kind of there. Um, one of the disappointments is one of my favorite characters uh, wasn't introduced in the first two episodes. It's Tom Maryland. He's a glee man. Who's kind of like a traveling minstrel. He's got this patchwork cloak. He's kind of, kind of salty, but he's also like really helpful. He becomes such a cool character later on. I hope they introduce him. I really, I really enjoy him. And then I'm, I'm very much looking to the Ogears, looking forward to the Ogears and Loyal. Some of the battle scenes already with um, Moraine and Lan, I'm so looking forward to future battle scenes. So I'm thinking like, um, again, eventually when the Ogear join the battle, it's going to be super cool. They're these like, they're like ultra Wookiees with giant battle axes, but they're like super peaceful <laughs> and they're like, we're not going to fight oh, wow. until we absolutely have to. And at some point they're like, Oh, we absolutely have to. And I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to kind of a, a lot of the visual spectacle around the magic system. I think they've done that very well. And I, I, that's pieces that you can't pick up. I'm also really looking forward to again, battle scenes, but specifically with, um, uh, the Aiel. 
the IEL are they're these people they'll introduce later. They're these super cool desert clan tribes people, and I'm looking forward to seeing their battle scenes and how they fight versus how like the traditional armies fight and some of that kind of action and strategy coming out. So very excited about all that coming forward in the the show. That does sound exciting. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? Last thoughts on the show? Yeah, last thoughts is um, I really like the, uh, you're mentioning Orthodox, and I think there's a lot of, I guess, Christian themes in this book that they're kind of bringing out. Like, Satan, you know, sounds like Satan. Bad guy. Great, you got it. Uh, you know, the the Tarmungadon, the final battle, Armageddon. Okay. You know, in the Prophecy of the Dragon, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth is the actual, like, the scripture of it. So, uh, there's, there's being born again, you know, the second coming, uh, of this dragon reborn in this third age. So there's, there's some cool nuances there. Um, but I would love to see even introduction. Yes. Of, of Tom, the Gleeman, their, their clothing is very important in this series. And I hope they, they show that more. They showed it with the rings, the Sedai rings, um, the great serpent ring, it, you know, it shows your identity, the, the seven colors, she's a blue, They're, the inquisitor, <laughs> the children of light were killing a, a yellow, which is a healing Aja. Um, as Red's hunt, and they'll introduce more. Um, so um, what you wear is very important. Even warders, they have cloaks that make them invisible, in a sense. And so it's like... An invisibility cloak! <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it like blends them into camouflage. It's a very useful tool, especially in the game, too. So like all these items... I'm thinking more of items because of, again, I, you acquire a hair and sword, you're like, you got the best item in the game, m- mostly. So when, when Rand's dad just happened to have a hair and sword under his whatever in the farmhouse you're like wow this guy must have like a rich deep history that i hope that yeah matt's shaking his head so um even the introduction of tinkers uh no tinkers is a huge role in 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 the prophecy of the dragon and they're kind of peddlers and so um, there's so much world building and so much richness that i'm really hopeful that in these first two episodes that they've introduced like two second three second hints already that i'm really excited to go okay i'm looking forward to the next episodes I'm sure they're going to introduce more. I'm sure there's going to be some changes. I really like to see. I know they're kind of doing this. Ooh, there's four of them. Which ones are going to be? Clearly for people who've never read the books. Uh, but it's it's nice. It, it's a good... Um, wow, we got we to gotta appeal to someone somehow. So um, I, I like that. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to more episodes. Uh, final thought, you know, would I have some kids watch it? Yeah, if you're over 13. You know, you know, check it out. It's PG sixteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh it definitely went from like one to a hundred really fast. <laughs> Which uh, I was like, okay, we're we're going there. We're going to pure massacre and mayhem and, and terror because that's what it should be when trollocks trolls, you know, come and <laughs> and, and just ravage and mm-hmm. butcher. Like when they pulled apart the, the limbs, they made a trollock uh crock a uh, cook pot. That's that's the thing in the game too. It's um and I, I wondered if they almost made the the cookware the they, they made the butchered pieces of meat in a certain shape, which is um, I think it was a symbol of um, the the great serpent uh, of the true power, um, which is kind of a, a foreshadowing also. Hmm. A lot of cool stuff. Yep. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a pretty good massacre as far as massacres go, and yeah, like getting getting there within like forty four minutes or so. I was like, yeah, there's 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 some pretty good pacing going on. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't show this to my kids. Yeah, as much as we might like mine, like the the the, the spirituality themes. It's not a Christian show. Nope, nope, nope. But uh, which is fine because that's fine. 
Yeah. As I, so as I'm, as I'm hearing this, like kind of the, the running theme, they kind of want to like touch on a little bit is like, so is this show any good? And like, come, kind of come back to that, whatever. Uh, and like at this point for, so I'm having kind of my, my Napoleon dynamite experience all over again, where like my friends talking about, I like, I didn't see, so I didn't, <laughs> so fun lore from Moses life. So like the year that the Napoleon dynamite came out, like I didn't see it until like several months after had been out and by that time i'd heard my friends like quoting and quoting and quoting it and my friends were hilarious when i finally got to the movie i was like this is boring this is dull and it was such a letdown i'm having kind of a replay here where i'm like so far like the show on its own is like yeah it's okay it's pretty hearing you guys talk about it i'm like oh my gosh this world's super cool and i love it and i love i love what you all are bringing into it and like all of the lore but um yeah like so much of that just like doesn't show up well on the show or or maybe i'm just like i'm only two episodes into it so you know these little three second introductions of things like i don't know what to watch for like i don't know what to regard as important or crucial and so i'm just like well i guess whatever's like the biggest or brightest or on screen the most so so there there's that experience i wasn't gonna watch the show except that you asked me to do this podcast. And so I was like, okay, guess I'll watch the show. Um, and I was, I was very skeptical of it. I was like, eh, I don't know. I think seeing how they've engaged the world so far, I'm hooked. Even if we didn't do this podcast now, I'll, I'll keep going to see what they're going to do with it. I, I sobbed when Moraine and Lan were fighting the Trollocs. I, I just absolutely sobbed just from having <laughs> read it, read the books. Um, so there, there's things like that that really have me hooked. I hope that they develop more of the kind of tension around the main storyline. Because I feel like the, the main storyline is whether or not the Dark One is going to win and that these Taviran are going to get taken over. And that that tension, I think, needs to be kind of developed a bit more and, and uh, kind of fleshed out. But I, I'm already, I'm very impressed with the visuals with the show. I'm impressed with they've stuck the majority to the the storyline, and I have hope that they'll continue to do it. I'll also ex- echo the sentiment that this is not a show that I'd have my kids watch in. They would have to be kind of late teen type things, especially because where some of the stuff will go to, like. Aaron's already talking about the Trollocs kind of like chopping people up. Well, they like they start eating people and stuff, and and it's like, uh, I think it's pretty graphic and I'm guessing the show is going to go there. So, yeah. I mean, they have no reason not to, I suppose. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's on that, on that lovely, lovely image. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll pause for here. <laughs> yeah, <ooh>. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, okay. we'll leave you with the images of Trollocs eating people and dragons and <laughs> mages and, uh, all the colors of the wind. And, it's good so yeah so we'll be back uh if you're tracking with us we'll uh hit on episodes three and four next time and whatever portions of the book and game come with that and i think it'll be fun so yes thanks listener for following us thanks matt and aaron for hanging out with us aaron thanks for getting up super early (laughs) to do this with us (laughs) and uh we'll be back next time awesome thank you sir is a podcast by Moses Bernabe. If you like what you hear, consider supporting the show with dollars, reviews, or shares, or all of the above. 
Word and Journey can be found on most major podcast platforms and on my author Patreon at patreon.com slash Moses Burnaby. Moses Burnaby can be found at mosesburnaby.com. Contact info for my most excellent co-hosts can be found in the liner notes. The podcast logo was designed by TJ Todd with additional development by Moses Burnaby. The theme music is by Aaron Esparza. This episode was mastered by Breakfast Puppies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. You know, a show is good if we can keep talking. Probably Matt and I, we can all probably keep talking for another hour just on these two episodes because we'd even Uh, talk about the three oaths, you know, even just the concept of um, mining. Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you know, because actually that was a huge thing in the game. And I I didn't bring this up, but in the game, I caught an Aes Sedai in a lie. And they can't lie. Um, You know, side note, they accidentally use the one power to teleport to Tyr. And I was a character in Tear that you can't channel in this city. It's against, they're not like Children of Light, but they protect Kalendor. And so you can't one channel. So she did it. And they had a young blacksmith um, witness it. And so, but she never outright said, I, I did not do it. She just kept doing a lie of omission is what I called it. You're doing a lie of omission. And in the show, she's like, you lie. Because on the default level, you're like, you're a liar. She's like, I didn't lie. I just left out. I, I have a sister, you know. And they become manipulative as they weave. And so if they kept exploring that as the one else, that would be really exciting to me too. I, I want to come back to that because that, that, I, I love that concept as well. And uh, thinking about, there's like six or seven different kinds of lies that, that you can tell. So I'll, uh, I'll have to, to compile those thoughts and bring them next time because yeah, that's, uh, that's super dicey to uh, lie without lying. It's very possible. People do it all the time. <laughs> so, it, and and it, it as Aaron's talking about this, like the the three O's will become this huge thing because what you're going to find out is that so there's the seven Ajas, but there's also the black Aja, and the black Aja is supposed to have not existed, and they've infiltrated the entire White Tower, and so part of and they're they're free from the three O's, so they can do whatever they want. They can like attack humans with the one power. They can lie. Um, there's all these things that they can they can do, and a, a huge theme becomes like figuring out who's Black Aja and who's not, and who can you trust. It's cool. It's hella and cool. It, yeah, it, that does it, sound exciting. There's a reason why the White Tower wants to collect all anybody who channels. It's not like oh, we want to train you into our Jedi. You know, no, they're trying to hunt down either you're with them or against them, and so wisdoms yes. can channel the one power, but then they they're not bound to the oaths. Because you use a Terran yes. Grial to, to, it's a item of willing power to, to bind them. So, and then of course there's also the kin. The kin are a really yes. cool secret, uh, <laughs> you know. And so there's so many different secret orders and mysteries that in the game the kin exists. You know, but we don't talk about them. Like Wolf Brothers, Perrin, foreshadowing yeah. of the wolf. You know, there was that we even missed out. The yellow yeah. eyes. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that yeah. was. I like that scene. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Next time, I'm looking forward to the next, <laughs> the next shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have, we'll have lots of fun. There's those lots of cool things, but I got, I gotta go. I want to have breakfast. <laughs> go <laughs> do other things. <laughs>